This episode is brought to you by Caramel Iced Coffee. Because apparently I have become that bitch. Evening on that old podcast in 5, 4, 3, 2, 1... Welcome to the Odetta Podcast, where normal is not my specialty. I am your host, as always, the trying something different tonight, Adam Higgins, the Odette Out. You can find me at odettapodcast.com and at Odette Out on all the social media places, including the Oddballs Facebook group that I really need to do more in because I'm totally neglecting you guys. I'm sorry. <laughs> And this is a show where I ramble and rant and empty out my brain for whatever the hell's going through there and maybe tell you about some stuff that I'm into or watching or listening or whatever. Shit. <sighs> Man. Yeah, I, I've apparently... Okay, I'm not going to say I've become that bitch, but I've suddenly gained an appreciation for specifically caramel iced coffee. In part because that is my wife's coffee beverage of choice. And whenever I go out to get donuts, that is what she wants with it. Very often, really, it'd be that I go out to our particular donut shop that I actually, it's way out of the way. There's literally a Dunkin' Donuts around the corner from the house. I have to drive 15 minutes, like 10, 15 minutes to the donut shop that's actually over near the boys' school because their donuts are way better. And my wife actually likes the caramel iced coffee from there better than the ones from Dunkin' Donuts, which used to be her favorite. It used to be, you know, large caramel iced coffee with cream and sugar. And she, that was her favorite coffee beverage from anywhere. Minus her really crazy extravagant, I don't know how to order this white chocolate, I think, thing from Starbucks. The one time I ordered it, I just had her text it to me and I showed the text to the person at Starbucks because I don't know how to order anything at Starbucks. Yeah, that's me. I'm that guy. But in just all of the, hey, you know, I make all of these things. You know, I've learned to make pickles. I've learned to make cornbread from scratch, which I don't remember if I, if I mentioned this, that I ground up our popcorn and turned it into cornmeal and made cornbread from it. But I did that. And I still have some cornmeal left. So I think I want to do it again. But I need like something to go with it. Like chili or something. And just boys got to suck it up. And we're having chili. Why? Because dad made cornbread. But in all of that. I was like. It, it's expensive to go out. And get caramelized coffee all the time. And it, it is her coffee beverage of choice. Given the option. Most of the time, she doesn't really want a hot coffee. She would rather have an iced coffee. And that is her option. I'm like, okay, well, how hard is, like, what is it in this? What, how hard is this to do? And essentially, it's just, you know, cream, sugar, coffee, and some caramel sauce. And, you know, getting the proportions right. And I found a bunch of recipes. And it basically, like, it, it amounts to not the, like, heavy, heavy caramel topping that you would put on a like premium Sunday or something, but more like a caramel drizzle type sauce. I was like, so that's it. That's really what you put in it. 
not the super thick stuff, but just the, you know, stuff in a squeeze bottle. It's, it's that and sugar and coffee and creamer of some type. And that's kind of it. And you basically just mix that, chill it and pour it over ice. And I was like, I, I can do that. That's that sounds really easy. And because I'm kind of crafty that way. And when you're somebody who makes things like pickles and has a wife that's kind of crafty like that, you have a metric fuck ton of mason jars. And so I literally just took at the end of my day, like when I make my pot of coffee for work, I pour my big thermos of it. And then I had whatever was left. I poured that into the mason jar, threw in sugar, caramel sauce, creamer, shaky, 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 stick that in the fridge. And the first thing in the morning, all she has to do is take that out and pour that over ice. And la-di-da, she has a caramelized coffee ready to go. And in the event of me while trying to experiment and, and dial in sugar and caramel sauce levels and how much coffee should I put in there and creamer levels and all this stuff and which creamer should I use? And no, don't use milk. It's too bland, blah, blah, blah. I eventually dialed in my kind of proportions and got it all right. But I had to sit there and experiment with it. And in the course of experimentation, I actually kind of developed a fondness for at the very least my particular blend of caramelized coffee. And I will say in the, having a jar of it ready, and I actually now have been making more of it just so I have more available, but having a like quart jar of iced coffee in the fridge ready to go in the morning is very convenient when I don't have the time or the motivation to make a pot of coffee before I have to take the boys to school. I can just go and pour me some of that and there, boom, there I go. Or like right now where it's, you know, nighttime and I don't necessarily want to make a pot of coffee to sit down and record, but to just have that there and be able to pour that off and mix that up and have just an iced coffee ready to go. Kind of nice. And thinking about it, I was like, you know what? I, I used to shit on iced coffee all the time, but I, I'm appreciating it more now, at least as the sake of it's coffee. It's there. It's, it's ready to go. And I think that's it. And I've, again, I've taken to just going ahead and making the batch when I make my coffee. And I'll go ahead and mix it up and let it chill so it's ready to go. And then I don't have to worry about it later. And times like right now where I just wanted something to drink while I'm recording. And this is a nice little something to have at night. And again, I don't have to go and make a pot of coffee or I don't have to make instant. And I, although I do think that's my next experiment, I think I'm going to experiment with mixing up a batch of caramel iced coffee using the instant coffee and seeing how that all works out and what that flavor does, because I've already experimented with the instant coffee and my creamer, and it gives a very chocolatey flavor. And so I'm wondering how that would all play together in, in my brain experimenting with with flavors and, and stuff to, to refine my particular batch of uh, caramel iced coffee blend, which maybe if I have the motivation to sit down and write something instead of playing video games, I will <laughs> write down and I will share the recipe with you. I need to do that after I refine it for real. But that's 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 my adventures in coffee. 
<laughs> one of the guys at work was giving me shit because in my, again, trying to dial in the flavors, I was like, okay, what is this supposed to taste like? I went and I bought some of the Dunkin' caramelized coffees that like, and it's the, you know, the pre-made stuff, not the ones that you get in the store or the, at the, you know, at the Dunkin' Donuts. But for a while we tried buying those and just getting that for my wife. So we had that around and she said like, yeah, it, she actually liked it a little more because it was more consistent because, you know, when you get it in the store, it's like, how much sugar did that person put in? How much cream? How much coffee? What was their particular balance? Like, oh yeah, they're supposed to put this much, but how much did they actually put? Did they blend it right before they did this or before they blah, blah, blah. Lots of, lots of little details that can affect, you know, anytime you go into a restaurant, the quality of what you eat or what you're served depends on who made it. And in a case of so who made this coffee drink for me will affect it. And in this particular case, I'm the one trying to refine my whatever. I bought a few of the things and he was like, knowing me for years and seeing me drink gallons upon gallons of coffee over the years. And then to see me pull out a bottle of Dunkin' Caramel iced coffee. I was like, what? <laughs> you got an iced coffee? I was like, like yeah. Um, you know, I, they, I'm, I don't hate them as much as I used to. I used to shit on them, but I don't hate them as much as I do, used to. And so now I'm, I'm drinking this. I'm begrudgingly drinking this. No, I'm, I'm actually like that. It's, it's so, it's, it's so sweet, but it's, it's really good. It's, it's kind of candy. It's kind of, it's, I think this particular batch I made a little too sweet, but meh, what's it going to do? Rot out my teeth. Oh, wait, I already did that. <laughs> For those of you who weren't already aware, I wear dentures because I had sensitive teeth. Long story. Nevertheless, I don't have teeth. So <laughs> easy joke. Anyway. Yeah, wow, I've just spent the last 10 minutes talking about iced coffee. That's really sad, even for me. Jingle, jingle, jingle. And like a good hippie crafter person, I'm drinking it out of a mason jar. <laughs> uh, but how are you doing? Wow, I don't think I asked. I'm sorry. I just dove straight into iced coffee tails. Uh, things have been crazy around here. When are they not, though? I told you last time, and I'm sorry, I, I, like last week, I was just, ah, oh, so busy. I, I've been really busy, not super busy with editing, but just like readjusting my body to school time schedule stuff and the getting up early stuff and having to balance that with my responsibilities for clients as an editor and getting the work done, but I'm fucking tired <laughs> and not having the energy at night when I used to do a lot. Well, when I do all of my work as an editor, I do that later at night, but lately I've just been so tired from school stuff and all of that. And I haven't had a lot of, you know, I've said in the past that I would have like probably one short night a week for work that I would, you know, I'd come home early, I'd get editing work done, or I'd record the podcast. I haven't had any of those lately. And so I'm really tight for space and time. And so I didn't have time to sit down and record last week, which annoyed the shit out of me. And I tried to, I really did. I was like, I just, anytime I try to sit down and record and like, okay, I've got the time. 
I don't have the energy and I just knock the fuck out. <laughs> but we've had some adventures. You know, the boys are getting back to school. They're getting kind of settled back into things. And we had two birthdays in the meantime, because my oldest and youngest, their birthdays are only a week apart. And so they both have had birthdays. So my youngest just turned six and my oldest just turned 12 in within the last week. And that's been crazy, especially because the night before his birthday, our youngest decided he wanted to knock out two of his teeth. <laughs> so I remember, it's about a year and a half ago when monster number two was, it was actually Valentine's Day of 2020, right before the world ended. My wife and I had left the boys with my sister so we could go have a nice uh, Valentine's date out. And just after we finished eating, we get a call that he had been riding a scooter around in her kid's playroom and face planted into a table and knocked out one of his teeth. And he like knocked out one of his adult teeth. And I, I told this story back at the time, but he knocked out one of his adult teeth full on. We had to call the emergency after hours dentist and have it reinserted and reattached. And he's been going through treatments in the meantime to make sure it, it took and it's permanently reattached and all that. But jump to a couple of weeks ago and I am literally just pulling out of my neighborhood on the way to work. And I get a call from my wife. She just says, get back here. And I couldn't even tell what exactly she said. There's an emergency. Uh, and I couldn't even hear because she was freaking out and crying and noise. And I'm driving and trying to figure shit out and hang up and spin around. And literally had just left the neighborhood and like have to spin around and go back around the block to get back into the neighborhood and get back home. Meanwhile, I'm frantically texting my boss, hey, family emergency, like there's been an emergency with the boys. I have to turn around and head back home right now. I will keep you updated. Get home. And it turns out that our little one, after just getting home from karate class, he was trying to untie his belt and... I don't, I guess it was tied really tight. I guess it had come undone during class and the instructor had tied it back up really tight and he couldn't get it undone and he couldn't, he was trying and trying and trying and in trying to undo it, he yanked on it, popped his fist up, punched himself in the mouth and knocked out two of his baby teeth, like front, bottom, center. Fortunately, he actually had two adult teeth already coming in behind them. So realistically, it was a good thing that he punched himself in the mouth, but this also resulted in another emergency trip to have teeth pulled. I mean, they weren't putting them back this time because they needed to come out, but, you know, trying to get to the after hours dentist kind of requires time. And literally it was like, you know, it's the after hours. So you've got to call the emergency number and then they've got to call you back. And there's a lot of communication back and forth. And then, okay, we're, okay, we're going to go do this. We're going to do that. Da, 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 da. Hours later, you know, hours go by and things like that. 
And it's less a case of like, okay, it's not bleeding anymore and all that. That's settled down, but the teeth have to come out for safety reasons. And really, it came down to uh, he could swallow them and, you know, they were loose enough to the point where he could swallow them and choke on them in his sleep kind of thing. So they got to take his teeth out. And I probably could have done it, but the boys are kind of iffy about me taking their teeth out because they're, I mean, they're, they get scared about their teeth coming out. I don't know why. When I was a kid, I pulled my own teeth out all the time. My dad did it with pliers until I got to a point where, yeah, my dad would pull my teeth with needle nose pliers. But until I got to a point where I could just do it myself, which is probably when I was like nine or 10, I started just pulling my own teeth out when they were ready. I never had the dentist do it until I became an adult and was having them removed for the sake of getting dentures and things like that. But yeah, they get a little skittish, but you know, we got to go get them taken out. You know, like I said, he had two adult teeth coming in anyway. So it really wasn't a big deal as far as those two teeth coming out. Again, it was a probably a good thing that he punched himself in the mouth. But it was just kind of funny because my wife, after all of the panic and chaos settles down and she's like, who needs bullies and just knock your own teeth out? <laughs> because this is the kind of humor we have in our house. Uh, <laughs> it's, but, you know, it sucked kind of for him though because the next day, was his birthday. And so he's going to school and he's, you know, taking uh, cupcakes and juice boxes and stuff to school and still having to show off the, oh, I just lost two teeth and it's still kind of sensitive. And oddly enough, rewinding back to the night before, he knocked those teeth out before eating dinner because they came back and he was getting changed out of his karate uniform before they would eat so they could go eat dinner and he hadn't eaten dinner before he knocked those teeth out which meant it was way like he didn't get to eat really i don't i can't even remember what he had to eat that night because naturally those teeth were really you know that whole area was really sensitive at the time but he needed to eat something i don't remember what he had i think he had ice cream i i could have swore i think the boys all ended up getting ice cream on account of he needed to he had to have ice cream (laughs) just to deal with all of that. And hey, it was the day before his birthday, so what's it going to hurt? But yeah, <laughs> he's fine now. And those teeth, now that, you know, the, the little teeth are out of the way, those adult teeth are shooting up like crazy. But yeah, it's been, ah, <laughs> oh, man, it just, what I, I, I'm glad I don't have any more kids to keep doing stuff. Because it seems like as soon as one of them does something, another one of them does something. I was like, oh, yeah, I remember when uh, Charlie got bit by the dog. I want to get bit by the dog and I'll do something stupid to get bit by the dog. Like, oh, remember when Damien knocked his teeth out? I'm going to knock my teeth out. Stop copying your brothers. Jesus. (laughs) Just, just, Just stop it. Can't you copy your brothers in like good behavior, cleaning your room, getting good grades? Can't you copy that? Stop copying injuries. Jeez. Need to satisfy a hungry mind? Every week, Your Brain on Facts brings you science. Why does mint feel cold? History. King Charles II of Spain was so inbred, his family didn't bother educating him. Medicine. Two doctors tested cocaine as an anesthetic by injecting it into their own spines. Music. 
Many hit songs and even entire albums were written for revenge. Technology. The first video game was made on an oscilloscope in 1958. Art. Restorers destroyed a Da Vinci sketch by dunking it in water and alcohol. And every other topic under the sun. Look for Your Brain on Facts on your favorite podcast app or at yourbrainonfacts.com. I think it's time we take a trip through the garden. <laughs> Haven't done that in a while. So we've reached the end of our spring planting season and we got off to a late start, you could say, for the fall winter planting season. At this point, all of our spring plants are done, gone, picked, pulled out. And the only thing left currently are the strawberries that we've had since we first started the garden last summer, which are slowly being eaten by moths. And I'll get back to those later. And the green beans, which are a bit stunted and we're not really getting much out of them. So I'm probably going to rip them up and maybe plant new ones either soon or next season. Not sure. In the last week, I actually, I guess it might have been last last week, I picked the last of the cucumbers and pulled up all of those. They pretty much had stopped producing. And so I pulled up the last of the cucumbers and ripped all of them up, tore them down. I made a quick video about it. I just haven't edited it yet. So I want to get that done and post that up on the YouTube channel, or maybe I'll throw it up. Maybe if I can get it cut short enough, maybe I'll throw it up on TikTok or something. I don't know. I really don't do anything on the TikTok. Mostly I just use it as a you know means of lurking around other people's pages and kind of taking in different things from around the world and the, the things and the TikToks. But yeah, I, I don't have much going on in the garden right now other than kind of turning the beds over. And right now it's been a lot of just needing to make sure I, you know, add fertilizer and compost and all the things to get the beds ready for the next uh, planting and taking a lot of the wood chip and, and mulch and stuff that I've been grinding up as I've been having to trim all these bushes and take all of these plants and things and, you know, taking all the vines and everything from the cucumbers and from all the other plants and composting all of that and grinding all of the branches from the other trees. And, you know, I have been using them as mulch in the garden and as a lot of material for the compost. And my compost is doing great. And I'm really excited for my compost right now because my compost pile last season wasn't so great. And it took me until this summer to actually get that batch of compost really kind of dialed in and oddly enough it took a lot of adding shredded cardboard to it which i found out is a good source of material for compost as long as it doesn't have like the tape on it and stuff like that you can actually take shredded cardboard and use that in your compost kind of check mark that if you're interested but i did that and i've thrown in a lot of wood chips and and shredded sticks and things from grinding up all the plants and the shrubs and whatnot. And so that has actually done really well. And I've got a really great 
pot compost pile out in the backyard. There's a pile. It's in a plastic trash can, like the the wheelie uh, yard bin. And I just punched a bunch of holes in it. And I fill that with all of my compost stuff and go out there with the fork every now and then and turn it and water it and turn it and add coffee grounds and yard clippings and all the things to it. And I very quickly have filled this thing. And so I'm actually really happy with this compost and it's breaking down very well. And I think the use of all of the wood shavings and wood chips and stuff like that has been really good for it. And it's doing really good. I'm really happy with my compost right now. I'm really excited to see because I think this will all be really good for the garden in the next season. But it's been, you know, focusing on that right now. I don't have anything else really growing. Like I said, I'm probably going to rip out the green beans that we've got right now. But one of the things that's happened while on the cucumber vines, we actually had a praying mantis that lived there and was kind of mostly feeding on. We didn't have a lot of like aphids or things like that that mantises usually go after. I'm still not even quite sure how we got a mantis into the yard, how it necessarily came into our yard, but we seem to have just this one little mantis that when we started off was probably like full length, maybe of like my thumbnail when we first saw it. And we're like, oh, look, there's a little mantis over there in the cucumbers. And over time, it was getting bigger. And it was actually one day where we look and uh, Charlie found the, it had just shed. It's like, it just molted, I guess. And so we saw the little exoskeleton sitting on one of the leaves on the cucumbers. We're like, wonder where it went. It's got to be around here somewhere. It obviously lives in the cucumbers. And didn't see it for a few days. And then I saw it at one point a couple of weeks ago where it was like, suddenly it's like the length of my thumb. It's like, oh crap, this thing's huge. It's gotten really big. But of course, I still, like I said, I ripped out all the cucumber vines and stuff uh, last week. And I didn't think at the time, oh, where is the mantis that was living in here? I thought maybe it had gone away because it's hard to see a praying mantis among masses of cucumber vines. It is green. It's on green plants. It's designed to blend in. It's kind of part of its job, blend in with its surroundings. So I never noticed where it was unless it was actively moving. Well, apparently... When I cut all the vines down, I piled them up in the grass so they would dry out because I didn't want to throw green, fresh vines and everything into the compost pile. I wanted them to dry out a bit. They'd break down better that way. And so, because I can kind of chop them up. And so I, like, that was sitting there for a couple of days before I threw those into the compost. Well, that was last week. Today, I was walking through the yard. Uh, just checking on things, filling up the bird bath, all that sort of stuff. And I walk by and just see giant neon green, probably the length of my middle finger mantis walking through the grass or not so much, but like in the grass. And of course, because we're still in the middle of monsoon season, I haven't been able to mow my yard in a couple of weeks. And so the grass is really long. And so I see this big ass mantis walking around in the grass. And I'm like, oh shit. And of course, first things first, I got to take a picture of it because, oh wow, it's over there in nature. And I like taking pictures. I just don't like taking pictures of myself. 
but I like taking pictures of nature things. Anyway, I go over and try and take a picture of it. And of course, because I'm outside, if I'm outside, Mystic is outside. She just follows me everywhere. That's what she does. Like right now where she's laying right behind me. But every time I try to take a picture of this thing, she is trying to get right in my face to get attention and is, she didn't step on it or anything, but she's walking over it and it's running for cover. So it's running away while I'm trying to take a picture of it. And of course, she's pushing me around wanting cuddles and scratches and stuff. But I did eventually get her pushed away and get a picture of it because it's what I do. But <laughs> I eventually was able to harangue it. And I didn't think, you know, when you watch movies and you see people just going, oh, there's a mantis on a leaf. I'm just going to gently pick it up. And I'm going to move it over here to this better place for it. No, you go and try and pick up a praying mantis. They fucking dart. They are quick little fuckers. You go and try and pick up a praying mantis, even with gloved hands or anything, be super careful. No, they bolt. They start running. They jump. This thing, I tried to just kind of swoop it up out of the grass carefully, and it ran off my hand, jumped into the rocks and started climbing the house. I'm like, shit, don't run away. I'm trying to take you to a better home. Eventually, I managed to kind of get it positioned. I grabbed my little shovel and kind of got it finagled onto the shovel and it started working its way up the handle. So I'm like, shit, run and scurried it over and put it in the strawberries because that's the only real plants I have left. And they had recently kind of gotten invaded by moths and some sort of other kind of leaf destroying uh, pest of some type. I'm not quite sure. I know there were moths that got into them and some other stuff, but they, they just, they destroyed our sage. My entire sage bed is gone. I had to rip it all out. It just got eaten. And that's, that's a, you know, venture for another day. I'll have to work on that. I think we're going to replace that whole bed with flowers anyway. Uh, Rihanna wants roses. We might do that. But the strawberries got hit pretty bad. Once I pulled the sage out, those whatever the hell they are, jumped over and got into and did some damage on the strawberries. And so the strawberries are looking pretty rough. So I took the mantis over there so that maybe whatever is over there in the strawberries can fatten up this mantis some. And depending on if we ever get any other mantises to come into the yard, however that one got in there, we can maybe get some little mantis babies to spread out in the yard and take care of any other pests that we might have. I don't know. But I will say that when I went back to check on it this afternoon, I did see it snatch up a fly. So that was good. And it was just, I was actually trying to take a picture of another lizard that was on the wall back behind that particular barrel. And then I just see a quick flash out of the corner of my eye. I'm like, oh, the mantis, it must still be in the plant. And I kind of look over and I see hanging upside down on one of the strawberry stems is the mantis with a fly in its pinchers, well, I guess hands, whatever, holding onto a fly, just munching on a fly. I'm like, hey, you know what? That's good too, because the flies are a pain in the ass in the summer. You go, you do you, boo. It's still living there in the strawberries and doing its thing and munching on flies and hopefully moths and whatever else it can find in there, keeping the strawberries safe. So you go, mantis. <laughs> but that's kind of it. I'm 
as far as what's going on in the garden right now, that's kind of it. I'm, I'm turning beds. I'm, I'm flipping everything. I'm fertilizing. I'm building up that compost and I'm going to, I'm planning on putting in flowers. We're going to put in some more flowers this time. I, I need to restart our herbs, really kind of get herbs going again. Um, I think that's kind of the big thing as I need to find some time in the next weekend or so where I am able to take a trip to like Home Depot or Lowe's or a garden center nearby and get some flowers because we need to put some flowers in to draw the bees and things. And maybe I don't know if I'm going to plant sweet corn again. It may be a little too late. Um, I, I do want to get pumpkins going. I really need to. It's really late. I'm, I'm already really late for pumpkins, but I want to get some more pumpkins going. Um, maybe or maybe not do cucumbers because we've done cucumbers twice and it produces so damn many cucumbers and I need to make like, I went and bought all the equipment for like long storage pickles with like all the canning materials in a pot and all of the, everything that I would need to do actual full blown canned, uh, pickles because for like long storage, because we'd go through so many cucumbers that we just could not keep up and eat them all. And they'd go bad before we could ever do anything with them or give them away or anything. So I'm probably going to be doing some long storage of cucumbers if we do grow them again. Um, I've wanted to do peanuts. It's a little harder to come by plantable peanuts. Most of the time you find them, they're in the, you know, roasted variety. So I need to find some seed peanut. Um, I want to do potatoes again. I want to do carrots again. I was very happy with how those turned out last season. Um, I just wanted, there's a lot of stuff that I want to take another shot at. And so, yeah, it's, it's a lot of those things and putting some flowers back there, adding some more color to the garden. And hopefully, you know, I'll be able to take you along and hopefully the weather will be such that I won't burn up my phone trying to make videos of it. And hopefully I'll be able to make a video, get it. I need to edit it. That's really it. It's not a lot. It's a really short video. I think it's maybe five minutes of me ripping out vines and kind of talking about ripping out vines and, you know, chatting along as I'm, I'm doing that stuff and talking about wood chips. And maybe I'll, if it's cool enough, maybe I'll just do a video of me grinding up a uh, mesquite or something. I don't know. I don't know what I'm going to do because I want to do more stuff. I want to do more video, but it's damn hot and it's really hard for me to shoot video when it's really hot because it just overheats my phone and camera. But I don't know. We'll see what I can do. <sighs> Man, I'm getting tired. Are you getting tired? I feel like I've been talking a lot longer than I have. And this isn't really one of those days where I like sat there and botched the opening 50 times and I've been sitting here for like two hours to only record 30 minutes. I really haven't done much, but I'm just tired. Maybe it's all the school and stuff, and I haven't even been playing that many video games lately because school and work and stuff. But man, <laughs> I'm just tired. <laughs> but you know what? Before I go, I want to do one more thing, something I haven't done in a long time, even though technically I just did it at the beginning of this episode. We're getting two recipes this episode. Granted, my caramelized coffee was kind of guidelines and not so much a recipe, but I'll just, okay, quick, real quick, quick guideline recipe for my caramelized coffee. 
it is about a cup and a half of coffee. Whether you, I I recommend you do this with hot coffee, and I'll, you'll I'll get to it in a minute. About a cup and a half of hot coffee, about sugar to taste. I go with about two tablespoons and about two to three tablespoons of a caramel sauce. I've got like a Ghirardelli caramel sauce thing. It's more of a caramel uh, sauce topping, not like a fudge type material stuff. Not something you'd use a spoon for, something you'd drizzle. So something like that. And then I use my International Delight Sweet Cream Creamer. And it's about a quarter to a half a cup of that. Basically filling the rest of a pint mason jar. And shaky, shaky, shaky. But first things first, you you mix all of the sweets. So you, the caramel sauce, the sugar, the coffee. You shake all that up to get that completely integrated and get the caramel sauce melted and integrated into the coffee first. And that's why you use hot coffee so that it dissolves and integrates so that it dissolves the sugars and everything. Then you add your creamer, shaky, shaky, shaky. Let sit at room to get to room temperature. Then chill it for however the hell long you feel like. Ready, you know, stick it in the fridge until whenever you're going to get it. Pour over ice. Enjoy. There, there's my guidelines. And uh, you can adjust your caramel flavoring and sugar to taste. I Again, I use the International Delight Sweet Cream because it adds some sweetness and a, a creamier, uh, richer flavor, better than milk. You could just use cream or whatever sort of creamer you feel like or none at all if you don't want cream in your caramelized coffee, if you're just like that, whatever. Again, pour over ice. Enjoy. But I did want to do one more recipe Speaking of cream, I have for a while, and it, it, if again, for anybody who is a longtime listener, you know, I do a lot of cooking. I prefer to make a lot of things from scratch. In the past, I have given my mac and cheese recipe out. This is what, if you really think about it, adult mac and cheese is really chicken Alfredo. Go with me on this. At least if you're doing a good mac and cheese, you have some sort of protein, whether you're having chicken nuggets with it or like in my particular recipe where I add in sausage, like chunked up smoked sausage into the recipe and actually cook that first and use the fat from that as the base for the cheese sauce. And it's super rich and delicious. Go back and try it. But if you think about it, Alfredo sauce at its purest is basically made from Parmesan cheese butter, cream, salt, and pepper. That's really all there is to a Alfredo sauce. A basic, simple, no frills. This is all you really need, Alfredo sauce. Add a protein, like, say, grilled chicken. There you go. So, my chicken Alfredo is, I I either do this with a fettuccine or a rotini, and, and it kind of the final presentation is determined by what type of pasta I used. So, take your pasta, your choice, get it cooking. If, if you don't know how to at least basic cook pasta to doneness, I'm I can't help you right now. But cook your pasta while your pasta is boiling. You need to take a stick of butter. And I, I mean this, you need to, a stick of butter. So like a half cup of butter, you need real butter. Just suck it up. This is not healthy. It's good. You need a stick of butter. You need a pint 
of whipping cream. It's easiest to get in most stores heavy whipping cream. It's just, it's harder to find not heavy whipping cream. So let's just go with that. So a pint of heavy whipping cream. And you need anywhere from six to eight ounces of shredded Parmesan. And this is kind of a what is available to you because, and you need fresh shredded Parmesan. Do not use, you know, canned crumble type Parmesan. Don't get the craft stuff. Don't get anything that is in a like zipper, you know, Ziploc style bag, a resealable thing, because those all have anti-sticking agents like uh, cornstarch or something like that on them that keeps it from sticking in the bag. No, you need fresh, like you're going to pay some money for this. The Either you're going to have to buy a chunk of Parmesan and grate it yourself, which is kind of a pain, or you're going to have to buy a bag or a box or whatever of freshly grated, or you could even use, I've used either the ground grated or kind of the flake Parmesan. It really doesn't matter. It's Parmesan. You're going to melt it anyway. But you need anywhere from six to eight ounces. And this is a matter of your personal taste and how cheesy you want this. But essentially what you're going to do, you're going to, in a big pot, because this does make a lot of sauce, you're going to melt your whole stick of butter, melt that down. And I will take probably maybe one to two cloves worth of garlic uh, minced up. Throw that in there with your butter. Let it cook kind of in the butter a little bit just to give the butter kind of that garlicky flavor. Throw in a pinch of salt, heavy pinch of salt. However heavy your pinch is, I'm not judging. Throw that in there. Mix in your pint of heavy whipping cream. At this point, probably want to turn your heat down to medium, medium low. You don't want it to burn. Mix in your heavy whipping cream. Get that all mixed and integrated. And then throw in slowly uh, probably half of your cheese. Throw about half of that in there. Stir, stir, stir. Get that all integrated. Start melting. Whisking that in. Throw in the rest. Get it all integrated. Here's the thing that I've discovered over time. Parmesan takes a long ass time to melt. It looks like it's melted. But if you start pulling your whisk out, you see it's really stringy. It takes a long ass time for Parmesan to melt. And so you just have to keep sitting there whisking it on low heat. Just turn it down to low heat and just whisk it and whisk it. You don't have to constantly whisk it, but give it a little time to melt. Whisk it so it doesn't burn until a point. And it's probably going to sit. It's probably going to take a good five to ten minutes of whisking after it looks like it's melted. And it's sauce is if you're still pulling it up and this whisk is stringy. It's not ready and you keep whisking and stirring until it comes completely where it's smooth and it will be like smooth, like a liquid, creamy, creamy, creamy. And this, okay, I I left off one thing. Then you want to add some point in this. I usually add it closer to the end, but like once I've added all the cheese, but it hasn't, well, it's still kind of in the stringy phase is where I add my black pepper. And you want to use fresh ground black pepper because you want the bigger pieces. You don't want to use like the table pre-ground shaker stuff that you would get from the store in a little canister. You want to get something you fresh ground, part for flavor and freshness, part because you want the bigger pieces just for aesthetics. You want it to, you want to see the pepper 
and to see the nice big pepper flakes in the sauce. That's it. Throw that in there, let that mix in and cook in while you're going through the rest of the melting mixing phase of that. Okay. Once your pasta is ready, ta-da. Now, when I'm doing something like a rotini or maybe shells, I will just integrate the pasta and just cover and mix all of the alfredo sauce all over the pasta. Fine, done. Mixed all together, it's one dish. And if I've made chicken with it, I will, and I'll get to the chicken in a second, but I will cut the chicken up into chunks and mix that into the pot. So it's just one big pot of chicken chunk shell or rotini alfredo one thing make a big scoop put it in a bowl have have a nice day it's delicious or if you want to go for a better presentation if you're using something like fettuccine i'll take the you know scoop or or probably use tongs take my serving of fettuccine in the middle of the bowl do a little swirl thing like you do pour your alfredo sauce over the top or take a piece of chicken that's been sliced like they do and set that on top of the pasta and then sauce over the top. Beautiful. This sauce is delicious just on toast. It is the it's just a basic, basic, basic Alfredo sauce. It's literally, if you're paying attention, we're talking about a stick of butter, a pint of cream, salt, pepper, about a cup of Parmesan cheese. And I throw in some garlic just because garlic kind of just adds a necessary flavor to Alfredo. It it works. Don't need it. I do it. That's it. It's all there is to it. It's really more method. It's really about just stirring it to keep it from burning. That's all you got to do. It is the most basic ass sauce ever. It is the most delicious Alfredo you will ever have. You do not need any other recipe you ever see for an Alfredo sauce that has a bunch of extra crazy crap. Don't need it. You do not need any of that crap. You don't need to add wine wine, or anything else to it. Alfredo is basic. It is absolutely the most basic sauce you could ever make. If you can't make this sauce, even with my crap-ass description, that is how easy it is to make Alfredo. I did a terrible job of describing this. That's how easy it is. You really just have to melt all the stuff, mix all the stuff together, Stir, 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 stir. Adjust seasoning to taste. Don't oversalt it to begin with, but you want to add some salt. You want to add that pepper. These are necessary flavors. Other than that, that's all you need. Salt, pepper, cream, butter, Parmesan. That's it. Get good Parmesan. Spend the money. Get the good Parmesan. Other than that, stir, stir, stir. Mix it until it is completely smooth. That is the key. Let it half the time to melt and completely smooth out, you will not regret it. Now, on to the chicken. Now, here's the problem. I told you all this. The pasta is done. I've told you the pasta. This is not how I make this for one simple reason. I'm a multitasker. This dish as a means of you're preparing chicken, you're preparing Alfredo, you're cooking pasta, all of this at the same time. The chicken has to be cooking. From the minute your pasta, and again, this is kind of a pure timing thing. Basically, everything sits on the same timer. So you've got to have your chicken. I cut, basically take like a piece of chicken breast. I split it in half, uh, 
to get two nice big pieces because I don't want them super thick. It's just harder to cook that way. You end up with tough outside, undercooked inside. So I cut them, I split them in half, take the whole things, or maybe cut them in smaller pieces, but cut my pieces and I toss them with olive oil, onion powder, garlic powder, um, and some Italian blend, like Italian seasoning blend. That's it. Let them sit in that just enough to coat everything. Some salt, maybe some pepper. That's it. Salt, pepper, onion, garlic powder, Italian seasoning. Let that sit and kind of coat for a few minutes while you heat up. I use a like George Foreman style panini press grill type thing and I throw it in there. I always make sure that when I turn it, because I'm of the mind, it tells you it cooks on both sides. It doesn't really thoroughly cook. It doesn't cook evenly on both sides. So I still flip it after about five minutes. Put it in there. Flip it after about five minutes so it's evenly cooked all the way. I throw it and either I'm going to leave it intact so I can set it on top of a nice plate of fettuccine at this, whichever point I would have cut the pieces down to kind of portion size. If I'm going to cut it into chunks, like I said, for my rotini, then I don't care. I leave it in big pieces because I'm just going to cut it up afterwards. If I'm putting it on like a plate of fettuccine or something. I may actually go with a full chicken parmesan with the coating and the frying, you know, pan frying and all that, but that's a lot more work. I'm not doing that right now. Right now we're going to go with a grilled option, but again, we've got our olive oil, salt, onion, garlic, Italian coated. We throw that on the grill for five minutes, flip it, make sure that your grill lines are basically in the same position. Don't try and go for cross hatching and I'll tell you again, I'll tell you why in a minute. So after we flipped it and all again, again, we are flipping this basically. You put the chicken in, you start working on your Alfredo about five minutes in because it doesn't take long to melt butter and mix stuff in. While you're in kind of your Alfredo is probably in the stringy stage about now, you go flip your chicken, you keep going back to make sure your pasta is in good shape, you make sure your Alfredo sauce is in good shape. You're probably down into the turning it down to low and really just melting things now stage. Go back. Take your chicken off, put it on a plate, wrap it in foil, leave it there. Let it sit there under the foil. Don't cut it. Don't do anything with it. Sit it on a plate covered in foil. Let it steam a bit. One, you've got carryover heat. Two, you want the juices to redistribute because if you cut into it right now, it is going to just dump all of the chicken juice everywhere and you're going to end up with dry ass chicken. It's going to suck. So leave it on the plate with the foil five minutes at least. Trust me, it won't go cold, especially with the foil. But also the reason for the foil is you want to, and in this case, I'm leaning towards the preparation for sitting, getting mixed up, something where you want to cut it. Because when you use the kind of lined grill surfaces, you end up with tough spots where the grill lines are that are tougher to cut through. And you end up with kind of a hard skin that no matter how you're going to cut it, whether you're putting it on a plate with the fettuccine or you're putting it, mixing it into a pot with the rotini or shells or whatever, you need to cut it. And if you try and cut through those spots, it's really tough to cut through. So by putting it under the foil, it softens up that skin a little bit. It's, it's a skinless piece anyway, but you're softening up that kind of crust a bit so it's easier to cut through. And then if you're going with the single piece I I kind of I'm I grew up with Olive Garden 
fettuccine alfredo with the chicken sliced into the strips. I do that. I take it, I cut it into the strips very carefully, place it on top of my fettuccine. Again, throw a big ladle of that alfredo sauce. You absolutely need bread with this. (laughs) It just needs bread. I also will serve this rather than with chicken. I will just use a a sirloin steak, a well-broiled, like cooked in a cast iron skillet, uh, sirloin steak with a garlic butter. Serve that with this Alfredo sauce. Oh, you you'll thank me if you can cook a steak and put and serve it with this Alfredo. You will thank me. Trust me. Just get a good steak. You're going to spend the money to make this Alfredo sauce. Spend the money to get a good steak. I'm just telling you. But yeah, let your chicken rest. Once you're about there, take it off, cut it however you're going to, whether you're going to do the strips for the Olive Garden presentation or you're going to chunk it up like I would for a a kind of a kid's dish. You know, I'm not going to pull out all the stops and make this great presentation when I'm serving chicken Alfredo for the kids. I'm going to chunk up the chicken, throw it into the pot with all the Alfredo sauce, mix everything up so the chicken flavor and the chicken juices and the Alfredo, everything melds together and you get this really rich Alfredo chickeny Italian, you know, Italian grilled chicken uh, Alfredo rotini. It's delicious. Just mix it all together. Let the flavors all kind of combine. Let them sit there and marinate together for a second. Dish that up. Your kids will appreciate it. It's way better chicken Alfredo than they were ever, they'll ever be used to. It's really simple. It is really simple. If you think about it, I've probably got five or six real ingredients across the entire board. We're talking about onion and garlic, salt and pepper, butter, cream, cheese, and of course the chicken and the pasta. Really simple. We're talking basic, basic stuff. Delicious. If you try and make this, if you need more detail to this, ask me. If I whack the mic, ask me and I will tell you. I will do my damnedest. If I get anybody asking me for more detail on this, I will try and write this down. I cannot guarantee I'm going to write this recipe in the show notes right now, but if you ask, I will. I really will because hell, why not? But I'm I'm just laziness. <laughs> and uh, I got apparently I have to write like the 5000 word blog post about my grandma or something before I can put the recipe in and I just got to make up some bullshit. I don't know. I don't have a, a sob story to go along with this this recipe other than to say I half developed this recipe myself. Yeah, I pretty much developed this recipe for chicken Alfredo myself. It's just something I pulled out of my ass, having a basic understanding of what an Alfredo sauce is made of. That's it. Sorry. This is nothing fancy. I couldn't even like say I ripped this off of somebody. If I stole this from somebody, they were lazy as shit to come up with this recipe because this is a lazy ass recipe. That's why it's so good. Just saying. Anyway, that's enough cooking lessons. I taught you how to make caramelized coffee and my guaranteed super simple chicken Alfredo. And we talked about the garden. Holy shit, this was a very productive episode. This is a very productive hour. You, you. This is the most productive I've been in a show and I don't know how long. Holy crap, I need to do more of this. And I just pulled these recipes out of my ass today. Thank you. Yeah, (laughs) I wasn't planning on a cooking lesson today, but here we are. Wow. (laughs) But that's going to do it for me for this week. Thank you 
to my awesome supporters and anybody out there listening. Thank you right now for being here and listening because you're awesome. You right now are pretty damn awesome. You can find me at Odd Dad Out on all the social medias in the Oddballs Facebook group. And of course, you can subscribe to the show or follow on all of those places or buy merch or or whatever or buy me a coffee or join me on Patreon, which I keep saying I'm going to get rid of. I'm just I just haven't done it at odddadoutpodcast.com. And if you want to hire me as a podcast editor, go to oddballpodcasting.com. Yeah, I changed the name. Sue me. Don't sue me. I I have nothing to take, really. But (laughs) that's going to do it for me this week, Oddballs. So until next time, thank you and good night.